reading this morning comes from Carrie McDonald. Carrie McDonald is the Executive Vice President of the Unitarian Universalist Association. He wrote this blog uh, entitled, Affirming the Promise, Full Dignity of Queer and Non-Binary Folks in Unitarian Universalism. He writes, I never realized how truly complex gender could be until I had to try to explain it to my two-year-old. How do we know which pronouns to use for others? Why do we have all these other words like woman or daddy or girl when we're all people? What does it mean to have long hair? As a straight and cisgendered adult, it is all too easy for me to gloss over the full complexity of the gender and sexuality spectrum or to forget that I ever ask the questions about sex and identity that confront us from such an early age. And while my kid hasn't asked us yet about race, we're due for an awkward public comment about skin color any day now. We're a mixed race family, which means that we will always be navigating the inside-outside nature of racial dialogue and appearance. I often think about how I can help my son, lighter skinned than I am, move through the world with deep awareness of both his personal heritage and of the brutal reality of race in this country. One of the best things religious communities like ours can do is create a supportive environment for our kids to learn positive values about identity, love, and families. The Our Whole Lives curriculum of sexuality education is a rightful source of pride for many Unitarian Universalists, affirming healthy, principled approaches to sexuality and relationships throughout the lifespan. As a faith tradition that has flown rainbow flags for decades, even when it represented more of the aspiration for inclusion than the reality, you use have been a public beacon of religious support for LGBTQ people. But more than any program or initiative, McDonald goes on to say, it is the lived experience of queer and non-binary folks in our congregations that is the real measure of inclusivity. Here's where the intersectionality of race, gender, age, and sexuality play out because the younger generations in our congregations and the whole United States are less straight and less white. The stories and statistics of violence faced by young queer people of color are some of the most heartbreaking truths in our world. When our congregations can be safe harbors, even if it's only for a Sunday morning, it feels like one of the most important things we can do to live our religious values. The queer youth groups, coffee houses, shelters, and gay proms that our congregations host literally save lives. And he concludes by saying, my church has a practice of naming gender pronouns on our name tags. My son's name tag says he, him, for now. I have no idea where his journey will take him on the road of gender identity. 
but I am deeply grateful for a community that makes it normal to ask questions or imagine different ways of being who you are. Unitarian Universalism has much work to do to live up to its full promise of affirming the inherent worth and dignity of every last human being. And it is an urgent call to make that promise true for the faith we pass on to our children. The wise words of Carrie MacDonald. Doesn't it make you proud to know that he is the executive vice president of our Unitarian Universalist Association? Someone who can speak such passionate, wise, and compassionate words. So, masculine, feminine, man, woman, male, female, Adam, Eve, he, she, father, mother, boy, girl, nephew, niece, uncle, aunt, brother, sister, Through most of history, the gender binary has been assumed. The gender binary insists on two distinct and opposite poles, two genders and no others. This is structured into our language, our culture, our institutions, our politics, our religion, and the very way we think. The gender binary forces people to define their gender by two pre-assigned categories rather than by their own sense of self, rather than by who they are, by who we are, by who we say we are. People get divided into these two groups, and membership in both is not permitted. Being male makes it impossible to be female, for example, being a boy makes it impossible to be a girl. This then gets translated into things such as in religion, whereby only men can be priests. Boys play with trucks and girls play with dolls. Generally speaking, this division avoids confusion. It's the simplest path possible. Makes things really straightforward. It's a kind of a shorthand. And the consequences, the consequences are steep. Where polar opposites are rigidly enforced, there is often dominance and privilege. One side of the gender binary is positive, and the other side is negative. And the gender binary assumes and insists that we must each belong to one of those categories. It excludes the experiences of those who don't. And it assumes that it will be obvious to others which group we belong to. But we can't actually tell someone's gender from their body, their clothes, 
or any other factor, even if we think we can and we think we know. This is so important to be aware of. Usually we quickly assume someone's gender. We assume by looking at them, trying to identify some markers of gender, and then calling them he or she when referring to them based on that. Many transgender and gender non-conforming people are frequently misgendered, including through pronouns, and misgendering. It's dehumanizing. It's painful. It's alienating. Only a person's self-identification, only that tells us their gender, tells us who they say they are. One way for us to break out of this pattern, this rigid binary, and to end our assumptions and be more respectful is to use the right pronouns and to make space for new pronouns. Fortunately, there's a whole new array of pronouns that are entering our language. They've been around for a while. These include they, them, being used as a singular pronoun. Just this week, some of you may have seen it in the news, just this week, Merriam-Webster announced that they will include they, them, they as a singular pronoun in their revised dictionary. There are other pronouns too, many, many others, and I am not going to go through the list of them this morning. There's a lot of research that can be done on this. The thing is that changing our habits to use these pronouns, these new pronouns, doesn't mean we can't use she, her, he, him, but incorporating these other pronouns where individuals are identifying that they wish to be referred to using other pronouns. Doing this turns out not to be so simple for many of us. It just doesn't happen automatically. Again, it's so ingrained in our language, in our thinking, in our whole way of doing things that this means that learning we have to learn. We have to undo what we've learned a little bit, and we have to learn new ways. We have to practice at it. And this requires a lot of effort on our part, and it's worthwhile effort. It matters. It upends the way we are used to doing things. Breaking out of our usual ways, especially for those who have most benefited from the usual ways, is particularly challenging. And even those of us who recognize the need for change, who want the change, who aspire to live into it, can find it awkward and uncomfortable. And we can find ourselves messing it up a lot. And yet, this is such a powerful way for us to practice our value of being radically inclusive. It's a way for us to move collectively toward a greater wholeness. You heard in our reading 
Carrie McDonald say these words, the lived experience of queer and non-binary folks in our congregations is the real measure of inclusivity. Here's where the intersectionality of race, gender, age, and sexuality play out because the younger generations in our congregations are less straight and less white. When our congregations can be safe harbors, even if it's only for a Sunday morning, it feels like one of the most important things we can do to live out our religious values. McDonald goes on to explain that his Unitarian Universalist church practices naming gender pronouns on name tags. The first time I was asked to do this was seven years ago at a general assembly. I was confused. I wasn't confused about my gender. I'm a cisgendered woman. The reason I was confused was that I wasn't clear about whether choosing a gender-neutral pronoun rather than she, her, might be a better way to be a good ally. And I felt frustrated by our highly gendered language that doesn't really allow a lot of great options or even easy ways to opt out of that whole gender pronoun thing. But, you know, maybe there was some underlying resistance on my part. No one had ever asked me to put my pronouns on a name tag before. So I wrestled a little bit with it, talked to a few people, and then I decided to just take the leap and add my pronouns, she, her, the ones I use. I decided that being direct and being open about being a cisgendered woman was the best way for me to be the kind of ally that I want to be. I decided this was one way to be able to be my full self and to support others in being their full selves. I realized that when everyone participates, no one is singled out. Expecting transgender people and non-binary folks to be the only ones to identify their gender pronouns perpetuates exclusion. It insists that the gender binary is normative and reinforces are patterns of privilege and hierarchy. To be good allies is to participate so that no one is singled out. When we each share the pronouns we use, we eliminate the guesswork. We make it possible to use the right pronoun. Because, you know, how are we supposed to know? Our congregations, welcoming congregation team, has recommended that our spiritual community adopt this practice. The Welcoming Congregation team took their recommendations first to our board and then to the membership committee where it was met with enthusiasm. I want to mention to you that you heard McDonald say that his congregation was doing this. Other UU congregations are doing it. Colleges and universities are commonly practicing it. Healthcare and hospitals are beginning to incorporate it. And we are joining the conversation in earnest. Our membership committee joyfully took up this effort. 
They have trained ushers and greeters. You will notice today that some members are wearing name tags with pronouns on them. These are our ushers and greeters. And today we are inviting and, yes, encouraging each of you, whether a member or a friend, to embrace naming your gender pronouns. We ask you not only to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person, but also to promote it. We are asking that you take what is a seemingly small, but in fact profound action of inclusion. As Carrie McDonald says, I am deeply grateful for a community that makes it normal to ask questions or imagine different ways of being who you are. I am deeply grateful to be a Unitarian Universalist. I am grateful that we are challenging ourselves for greater spaciousness. I am grateful we are making space for people to be who they are, for each of us to be who we are, to define ourselves for ourselves and for the fullness of who we are to be accepted and appreciated. Only when we are able to be expansive and adaptable and to take risks will we be able to fulfill the promises and the potentials of our faith. One of those promises and potentials is to be a faith that we can pass on to our children. One of those promises and potentials is that we save lives. One of those promises and potentials is that we ensure the full dignity of every person. Let us speak today of wholeness. I'm Reverend Dr. Sandra Fees. My pronouns are she, her. May it be so. Amen and blessed be. like a copy of the transcript of this sermon, you can find most week's messages at www.uuberks.org sermons. If you have any thoughts or conversation about today's message, we hope you'll take a moment to stop by our Facebook page and share them. And from all of us at First UU Berks, may this chalice light your path and guide your way until you join us again.